There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. The Double Exposure Investigative Film Festival returns to Washington, D.C. this week with a great track record after launching in 2015 with Spotlight, which of course went on to win Best Picture at the Oscars. I spoke to Spotlight director Tom McCarthy and screenwriter Josh Singer on the red carpet that night just moments before the powerful screening. I'm here with the director and the writer of Spotlight. Guys, thanks for joining us. Um, what's it like? I mean, you're here in the town of all the president's men. I mean, this this audience that's going to watch this is very into the journalism thriller uh, subgenre. What's it like to, to show it to this kind of literary audience compared to, say, somewhere else? Uh, well, uh, I'm sweating a little bit more than I was a few <laughs> seconds ago. But, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think when Josh and I set out first just to write the film, we always thought we had to write it for the journalists, that if we could pass the journalist test, then we were on the right track. And uh, uh, I guess tonight we find out if that's true. Is it challenging to write, say, a true story like this as opposed to something fiction? Yeah, obvious, obviously it's hard, but I think one of the things that's great is we had such wonderful access to all the reporters. Uh, Tom and I, you know, working on the film together, writing the film together, uh, you know, we spent a ton of time with all these guys. And frankly, it's nice to be back here in D.C. Uh, because Marty Barron, who was at the Globe at the time, is now at the Post, and I think uh, he's done great work for the Post, and uh, so... Uh, I uh, hope everyone will, you know, appreciate what we've done with his character. Uh, he's such a great guy and great journalist. So, and clearly, you couldn't have foreseen that you would be showing it here in the film subject matter the week after the Pope was here. What? We'll talk about the crazy timing of that. Uh, yeah, there's an interesting synergy to that, and I think we're excited about it and feel like uh, maybe this uh, film, on some level outside of hopefully being a good story, will forward the dialogue that needs to happen uh, on, on that particular subject matter. Now, obviously, we're going to see it here in a second, but visually, what does your director try to set out? How do, you, how do you bring something that's, you know, a newspaper that could be very, you know, black and white, literally? How could you, how do you bring that to life? You know, all the president's men had, had the, the lights, the over, like, almost like the, the journalism room is, is a place of light and illumination. Um, you know, how do you symbolically, visually bring that to life? Well, I think we felt we were dealing with a subject that wasn't particularly dry, that it was incredibly compelling material just at face value, and honestly, more than Thing, we just tried to depict it as realistically as possible that we felt like we didn't need to over-dramatize or sensationalize the material, that uh, we just relied on uh, good old-fashioned storytelling in a very, very compelling subject matter. All right. Could we uh, just, I know you got to go, just wrap up by, tell me uh, the casting decisions behind Keaton, McAdams, and Ruffalo. 
they're great actors and they were the right people for the role. It was really that simple. I mean, we're fortunate enough to get those people, and uh, uh, they, I think you'll see in the film, um, they're just spot on, and they're, they lead a very, very large and talented ensemble. Uh, you know, all the other people that uh, that share the screen with them, I think you'll see it's um, it's a particularly talented group of actors. And, and if I could Did you just, write it with any of them in mind? Or? Uh, no, I was just going to add, I think one thing that uh, Tom is particularly good at is, uh, you know, you know, the big roles, in some ways, are a little easier, but the smaller roles, you know, roles like, you know, Phil Saviano and uh, and Joe Crowley, you know, guys like Neil Huff and Michael C. R. Crichton, like, they're amazing actors, and they come in, and I think that's why, you know, some people are responding to the ensemble, because it has such breath, you know, and I think that's a really uh, hat tip to those wonderful actors and to Tom's casting of them. All right. Well, thanks for coming and enjoy the show. Thanks, man. Nice thanks. To meet you. Yeah. Thanks, thanks, man. After the screening, I also spoke to David Simon, creator of The Wire and former reporter for the Baltimore Sun, who hosted the Spotlight Q and A. I'm here with David Simon, the creator of The Wire and Q and A conductor here for Spotlight here, which was I, I gotta say, I was sitting here in the theater here in the National Portrait Gallery and just blown away. And I'm right, I'm right there with you when it when you were saying during the the Q and A when when you're yelling out "Cut to black, cut to black" as the phones are going off. Um, I, I shared that sentiment entirely. Um, what was it like um, sitting here watching this as a filmmaker, as the credits are getting ready, and, and you're calling for it to cut to black? Well, I mean, I saw the film uh, a couple nights ago, and I was <laughs> calling then, so I, mean, I actually didn't see the end of it here. But, oh, okay. uh, but having said that, um, I just felt like it was a very brave film uh, in the sense of uh, the story does tell itself uh, as it gets going, and it's, it's entirely worthy of the, of the time and the effort spent to tell it. But it's the kind of film that doesn't get told enough because it lacks all the things that the entertainment industry thinks is currency. Uh, there's not a lot of sex in it. There's not a lot of violence. Um, Lots but, of paper. But there's a lot of paper and there's a lot of ideas and there's a lot of there's a lot of humanity um, and the actual stakes of something that we're, we're all uh, we all should be vested in uh, as a society is laid bare. And um, it's just like films don't get made because they have this currency and not the other crap. And so to see it uh, executed as well as it was, uh, and to and to be up there with the filmmakers and with and with the subjects of the film, it, um, just you know, uh, I'm delighted it got made. I was happy to happy to be able to um, exhibit it tonight. Absolutely, and. Um a big point you made here that I thought was a crucial point that you made and a, and a crucial point of the movie too is the idea of, of how the journalist could have stopped but the editor saying hold on it and there's, there's a bigger fish to fry there's a bigger fish yeah. to fry and in a way in a way the wire was like that too I mean you start on a lower level and, and you expose it out but, but, but we're, we're in entertainment and, and, right. and that's our job is to, is, to, is to be playing for the last 20 minutes of film you know you're making a film you want the whole thing to hold together uh, journalism doesn't always get those opportunities sometimes the story has to go sometimes you go on on less than perfect um, information um, you try to get it right you try never to get it wrong but you may get it incomplete it's the first draft of whatever you're trying to explain to people but I guess my um, question is more the in like the courage of a screenwriter and the skill it takes to craft something where it's it's rather than a small sliver, but that you're tackling the institutionalized corruption. Or something. It's just uh, it's a different target. You need more time. Uh, it has to be long form. 
in the same way, I guess, to, to follow your analogy, that this was long-form journalism. This was uh, a long-term investigative project by, uh, by a group of reporters. Um, I, I very much admired the restraint and the care that they showed uh, and the, de the delicacy of reporting. Uh, reporting to me was, uh, as Mencken said, it was the life of kings uh, when it was done well. And um, uh, it's, uh, it may not have... It may not have always ended as well, and not every story was uh, gold, and, and sometimes you wasted your time, and sometimes you spun your wheels. But it was never uh, not fun, and it never felt uh, purposeless uh, in the way that sometimes being in the entertainment industry is. Uh, like I said, you know, watching it, it was, it was kind of like porn for me. <laughs> it was nostalgic porn. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, we'll just wrap up. So I knew, sure. you know, but the final one, um, I just want to talk to you from, you know, I, I did some time up at the Sun, and what years were you there? Uh, I was there uh, 1982. I started as a stringer in 82, and I was there to 95. Gotcha. So just speak to that a little bit in terms of why we need more papers like this to devote resources for long-form investigations, and sort of what you were mentioning on the stage in terms of what the Internet age maybe made us rush to judgment on certain well, stories. Well, the, amateur, the amateurs can't do this. There's a lot that the Internet can do. Uh, the immediacy of, of real-time uh, 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 reaction and what the Internet can provide. Uh, there's certain things that, 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 that ordinary people and a... And a, and a and a phone like the one you're holding up at me uh, can achieve uh, and can cover certain things uh, in a very um, immediate and basic way. But what you just watched was journalism that can never be the amateur hour. It has to be professionals, it has to be people who devote their lives to it, uh, who look upon it as a career, who expect there to be a paycheck. Not, maybe not the best paycheck you can make for that skill set, but, right. but certainly enough that you can send your kid to school and pay your mortgage and have a life doing the same thing every day, coming back to work every day and, you know, and, and, and beating the hell out of a story. Um, and uh, it has to be professional. And, you know, at the, at the paper I was at, there's 120 people where there used to be 500. And that dynamic, you know, Baltimore, in the Baltimore metro area isn't, is the same size. The problems are the same size or bigger, um, but uh, the number of people devoted to it is uh, is much less. And until they figure out the revenue stream, society is going to suffer. Absolutely. Sure. Well, thanks for taking the time. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Our theme music is Scott Buckley's Clarion. Remember to give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.
I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.